Welcome to episode 236 of the Thunder Underground Podcast. Trent and Jason here as always, and this week we've got a great guest. We've got Linda Lou from the band Marishi 10, a great new metal band. You're going to hear some music from here in a bit and hear an interview with. Awesome. Yeah. So before we get into that, we got some other music we're going to play. we got some couple things we're going to talk about. But first... We are sponsored by MedFarm and DEB Concerts. MedFarm is located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're a dispensary here in the Tulsa area. And if you go in there and you tell them that you heard about them on the Thunder Underground podcast or just mention our name, they'll give you 10% off your order. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram because they're always running other specials. That's P-H-A-R-M on Facebook and MedFarm. Farm OK on Instagram, medfarmok.com is the website. They've got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And they are doing something great. Their slogan, if you've seen their billboards or their website, is Cannabis with a Cause. And that is because 30% of their proceeds are going to help build no-kill animal shelters, which we think is great. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's fantastic. I don't think I know. Yeah. Okay. That's a better way to say it. We know it's great. So get in there, check out Med Farm, and tell them that Thunder Underground sent you. Also, DEB Concerts, promoter located right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that keeps bringing in a ton of great acts to our area, like Saxon. Excuse me. I'm trying to get over some sickness here. It's all good. Yeah. I'll I'll allow it. Yeah. Who else have they brought in? Warrant, Great White, Lita Ford. Striper, Sebastian Bach. You're taking the words right out of my yeah. mouth. Bisto Blanco. Yep. And even Snoop Dogg and Nelly. I know. I mean, yeah. you know, diversify. Yeah. They brought that one into the BOK Center as an arena show. There's going to be more of that coming in the future, according to Doug from DEB Concerts. So be on the lookout for that. Awesome. But in the meantime, what you need to be on the lookout for is November 23rd at the Ideal Ballroom, Vixen and the Iron Maidens. That'll also feature Tulsa Zone Down for Five opening up that show. They've been on this podcast several times and they've got new music coming, so that'll be a great show to see them at. And of course, the Iron Maidens are an all-female tribute to the one and only Iron Maiden. And Vixen, great as well. And Eddie Trunk will be hosting that show. As always. Yes. He's always out there, so you can go check it out and meet him. Get your picture with Eddie Trunk. And... These are all, all these shows are at the Ideal Barn, which is a fantastic venue in downtown Tulsa. So if you're in the area, you want to get your tickets from down for five, you save a few bucks, service fees, all that stuff. Even if you're out of the area, they will send them to you. Just get in contact with them on Facebook. They'll make it happen. You can also, of course, buy them on Stubwire or at the venue the day of the show. So get out there and support rock and roll. All right, so before we get into some talk about some rock and roll, should we just play some rock and roll? Yes, let's play some. Okay. Kind of kind of grease the wheels up. Yeah, we're going to play get it going. Through the Stone. And you know why we're going to play Through the Stone? Because they kick ass. That's exactly right. I, mean, I knew you would have the right answer to that well, question. It's simple. Yeah. We've played them on here more than once, but they have a brand new EP that just dropped this past week called The Healer. And this song is called Mr. Stonewall. Mm-hmm. 
Mr. Stonewall, brand new single from the brand new EP called The Healer from Through the Stone out of Omaha, Nebraska. What are your thoughts on this new music from this amazing band? You know, it, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's kind of a short burst of a song. They kind of get to it. And, and it's, I mean, if if I'm correct, I think I am. Uh, it, maybe it's almost like a little bit of something different from these guys. Yeah. Um, and, which is welcome, always welcome to my ears and my world. Um and, you know, but the same just bombastic, insane vocals uh, that that we love and expect from Through the Stone. So, yeah, just, I mean, another win, really. Yeah. Yeah, her vocals are always amazing. And this song is so, like you said, what's a good word? Frenetic, but it's also catchy as hell i like it and okay. it's got groove and it's still got that that stonerness kind of doomy vibe they had but it also like you said it's just there's something different about it and you can yeah. hear that on the all the songs on the ep and this is their second basically their second release that a full album come out here a couple of years ago which you also need to check out definitely because that thing is amazing and this band is not just amazing on record they're amazing live so if you get the chance to see them when they get out on the road, be sure and do it. Check them out. Follow them on Facebook. And tell them we sent you through the stone. All right. So we mentioned DB concerts, the IDL bar and all that stuff a minute ago. Here about a week and a half ago, they brought in Last in Line. Yes. And we talked about this all the way leading up because this band is one that a lot of people know about, but there's still a lot of people that don't. Yeah. And it's a shame, but you kind of expect that from this kind of music, you know, for the mainstream audience at least. A little bit, yeah. I see what you're saying. And I think that's kind of the case even for people that listen to this kind of music that just aren't as whatever. Yeah. Aren't as geeky about it as us because, you know, this isn't a band that you really hear on the radio. No. Even Sirius. I don't know that I ever heard them on Sirius. I might have, but I just forgot. But here, here that's where we come in. We're going to... We're going to let you guys know about this band. Yeah. If you haven't known about them already. Right. We're going to service them to you. <laughs> so, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Dio, the first three albums featured Vivian Campbell, Vinnie Apice, and Jimmy Bain. And those three guys started a new band with, of course, taking the title of one of Dio's classic songs, Last in Line. Yes. Jimmy Bain unfortunately passed away right after they recorded the first album. And they also got Andrew Freeman on vocals. And they just recorded a an album of original material under that name. And then they would go out and play shows where they played mainly Dio and sprinkled in some of these songs. But then over time, they got to where they're doing about half and half. Yeah. And that's still what they're kind of doing for the most part. And... They've got two albums out now, and they've already announced that the third album should be out next year. Vivian Campbell mentioned that on this here podcast. That's right. He was on our show. That's right. So now you've got <coughs> two albums worth of material. It's not just material to be out there, and it's like fantastic. And it's fantastic because obviously you've got fantastic musicians, but if you're going to call yourself 
I don't know, I'm going to say call yourself a tribute to Dio, and that's kind of what it was at the beginning, but mm-hmm. um, you need someone that can fucking pull this shit off and not sound like a carbon copy of Dio. Yeah. And that's what I love about Andrew Freeman. It's like he sounds like, when he's singing the Dio songs, it sounds like a Dio song, but he doesn't sound like an exact carbon copy. That's the thing that always kind of stuck out to me about him. Yeah, and to see this guy live is something else. Um <laughs> And for me, that's kind of my takeaway from this show, is just what a voice. What what a powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, where has this guy been? Right. Um, really, that's, that, that's, that's kind of my main thing from this show is, you know, it sounded great. The songs were great. They're all there, like, like we know they would be with the classics. Um, anyone, again, this is what we're here to tell you about this kind of stuff, because it's not out front is they've got original records and they're amazing and they performed them and it was just, it was great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, see all those guys on that stage, like someone mentioned, I don't know. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was someone we know, like could have been Kevin or someone else. But when you see Def Leppard live, it's not like Vivian Campbell's not enjoying himself. He's fucking on stage playing rock and roll. Yeah. But whenever you watch him on stage with Last in Line, there's just a little more like he's smiling more often. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, there's something to this besides just the fact that these guys got back together three or four years ago. Well, actually, it's more than that now, but started putting out albums. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's something special there. Whether this ever blows up to anything bigger than what it is doesn't really matter. It know? doesn't. And I mean, for the sense that it's still something amazingly special. Yeah. Well, it just shows you. I mean, he doesn't... Vivian Campbell doesn't have to do this. <laughs> but the, there's a there's a certain side of him that wants to do this, that wants to get out and play solos, that wants to rock, and wants to have a little bit more of a say than he probably does in Def Leppard. Right. Um, or, you know, if I'm not right on the money, I'm... I'm close. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's an outlet that he's... There's an energy he's getting out that he's not letting it get out in Def Leppard. And right. That comes across. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen this in, in videos, and I saw it live the other night. Is just There's this look on his face like, you know, he's really got to be on top of it and what's going to happen next. And, you know, and for him to, to go through what he's gone through and, and then at the same time... But to be at the level he's at, for him to want to keep doing this, it's it's pretty it's pretty commendable, and we get to see the results of it. So um, I'm in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this guy's got almost thirty years in now on Def Leppard, which is of crazy course. to think about. And but when you think of his legacy with Def Leppard, you know he's played on a lot of great music, but when you think of like the guitar riff from Holy Diver or that guitar riff from Rainbow in the Dark or any of those amazing songs like Don't Talk to Strangers or Stand Up and Chat, it's like his stamp is on that just as much as Ronnie James Dio's. Of course. And then to see that live, it's funny because I thought, I've seen him, you know, we saw him at Rocklahoma. Oh, yeah. And it all stood out and it was fucking great. But to see him right there in front of your face in Ideal Barn was amazing. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, you know what? You know, my favorite Dio song is Don't Talk to Strangers. Of course. Last in Line is probably number two. And anyway, I love Rainbow in the Dark, but it's like 
that's the most overplayed Dio song there is. And that's the song I walked away from the show with that just blew me away the most. Because I'm right there in front of one of those most iconic metal songs ever. Mm-hmm. With the guitarist playing it perfect and the drummer yeah. fucking playing it perfect, you know? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you've heard the song a million times, but when you're going to see it in that way, you're you're going to stand there and watch it. Yeah. You know, if, if, if Metallica came to a tiny club and only played Inner Sandman ten times in a row, I'd still go. <laughs> yeah, right. So I get that. I get that in a way. Yeah. And yeah, not to like overshadow, like we said, those or two albums are amazing. Oh, man, they're All great. the songs, you know, You're the Gun, Star Maker. I mean, this... It was just fantastic from start to finish, and I can't wait to hear the third album. And you'll hear us talking about number two, the second album, here at the end of the year, I'm sure, on the best albums of the year. We need to also mention Fist of Rage opened the show, yes, and they played for over an hour, which is amazing for you know an opening band this day and age, I think. Yes, it to is. To get that kind of slot, so that's a huge props to, to Doug Burgess and Tom Green for making that happen yeah that was a that was a great move to get them on the bill and they never disappoint and they they killed it yeah because they're a heavy band and last in line is a heavy band but you still you know there's still a lot of melodic to that you know of course and fist of rage has a lot of that you know a lot of that melody and their music you know fits perfect with what last in line does so huge props for them for putting in another amazing set if you've never seen them live, I urge you. They're fantastic with crowd interaction and just getting the crowd going, like all of them. So get out there and check them out and follow them on Facebook because they should have more new music coming soon as well. Do we got anything else we need to talk about? Do you want to talk about Josie Scott? Uh, <laughs> because you don't care. But I that's... just now heard it. I mean, uh, I guess I guess he's gonna get back with saliva and do a record and tour. Yeah, next year. So next, which I'll just say, I know you don't like him, but I always liked him. Uh, and, you know, I, I've got to tell you, when that they had that so, that first song on the Scream Three soundtrack, I believe it was Scream Three, two or three. Yeah, yeah, and, and your um, disease. That whole soundtrack, like, you know, American Pearl, that was great. Yeah. And then I'd never heard of Saliva, and I thought your disease was fucking amazing. Um, had that big wide open chorus. And then I heard the other stuff, and I was just like, okay, that's not, it's just not me, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it was a little different. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a... It's something that I always figured would happen. Yeah. It makes sense. All these bands, you know, I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, who did, you know, Soil did it, obviously. Yeah. Had a different singer. It didn't go anywhere because he didn't have anywhere near the greatness that Ryan McCombs had. So mm-hmm. you had to like, and you know, he had a distinctive voice, just like Josie Scott had a distinctive voice for that band. And, you know, I I listened to their album, their first album they put out with that new guy, and it was just sounded bland as hell to me. So I just just one of those people that stopped caring. Well, well so you know, a lot more people are going to care now. Yeah, yeah. So good for him. You know, maybe we'll eventually get him on his podcast. I mean, he li- he lives in Tulsa, yeah. so we've got to do this somehow. I mean, we spoke to him about it before, and he said, "Yeah, but we never made it happen." So, well, let's make there it you happen. Go. We just yeah. threw it back out here in the public yeah. domain. So, well, we're just putting it out there for us, right? You know, we said it, so now we got to do it. Now we feel obligated, of course. Yeah. 
So, should we get Eric Bell on the podcast to talk about how much Metallica are a bunch of fucking bastards? I read that. That guy <laughs> needs to fucking, he needs to change his tampy. Right. Okay. Who who gets paid? Most dudes, from what I know, maybe I, fuck me, maybe I, maybe I'm the asshole. But, uh, I don't know, from, from what I know, I, I don't think dudes get paid for just jumping up and doing a song with a band. Yeah, I've never you heard You think Kirk Hammett got paid for jumping up and doing a song with UFO the other night? <laughs> I don't think so, and I don't think he fucking expected it. Right. So, I don't know. And you know what? It was 20 years ago, so why is this guy just saying this now? And what's funny is he, after all that, then he says that, you know, nothing was ever talked about. He just expected it. Yes. He, yeah. And I'm uh, like, why is this a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> like, is this slow news day or some shit? <laughs> right. But yeah, whatever. And what do you think Scott Gorm thinks right now? Yeah. Scott Gorm's like, Jesus, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Was there anything else interesting to talk about here? <sighs> I don't know. It seems like maybe, but From I, recent news? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, well, let's just uh, let's get into this interview. All right. Well, before we do this, let's play you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll song. Play yeah, this is a song here that came out a couple months ago by Marishi Ten. Their most recent single. It's called Enemy Now.
Enemy Now from Marushi Ten. That's the most recent single. You can check that out anywhere you can find music. And we've got a pretty good interview here with the singer of Marushi Ten. She is also the guitarist, and I mean, she's got some wicked, a great voice and some wicked guitar riffs and solos. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, these songs. Uh, a ball squasher, really. Right. You know, riffs and the voice. Uh, this is some great stuff. I like what you said. Well, you told it to me, and I think you mentioned it to her in an interview. That really like how it has like a modern feel, but also sounds like classic metal, I, like yeah. steeped in that at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it's it's what I wish modern rock radio would have became. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, instead of the vapid, uh, testicleless fucking whatever the shit it is <laughs> right um this is not that this has got weight this has got groove uh this is this is good yeah you know imagine that rock radio <laughs> right we gotta get on and check out they've got <coughs> previous ep some other singles as well and like she mentions this interview there's going to be more stuff coming here in 2020 so be on the lookout for all that and in the meantime let's get into this Here's Linda Lou from Marishi Tin. I mean, I haven't had too many critics, which is kind of good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so far, uh, people seem to really like it. And, um, you know, we're kind of like in our primordial stages as a band. So a lot of the people who are hearing it are people hearing us for the first time. So, um, you know, definitely picked up some new fans and have some new people that are interested in, in what we're doing. So, you know, mission accomplished. Well, I've seen like a couple snippets where it mentioned, where it just said new album, that kind of thing. Is there like a concrete date for like a new album or EP or what's going on in that front? Actually, the next thing that we're going to be doing is releasing one more single. Um, and I have somebody working on the art for that right now and uh, trying to sort out doing another video and then moving on to doing a full length album. So Basically, you know, we did an EP a little while back, and then I didn't really have the means to do a full album, but I didn't want to be stagnant and not do something and not kind of keep, like, growing band and the idea behind the band. So I just kept going with it and, um, you know, recorded a single as I could and kept releasing stuff just to kind of, you know, keep the story going. And um, it's, people seem to appreciate it. Um, and... I know for me, like the gratification of being able to kind of release stuff a little bit closer together is definitely like it keeps me going. So it's been good for me too. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of bands are kind of just doing the single thing. Um, you know, maybe the album thing has fallen by the wayside. I don't, I don't know where you sit on, on that fence. I don't think so. I think, I think, uh, you know, everybody has a goal of, of making a full album. And I know I'm super excited when a band I love puts out a full album and I love to create a body of work as well too. I think mm -hmm. that just, you know, given the way things are changing and the fact that there really isn't like a, a lot of support for bands doing full albums, um, you know, and 
that just the money isn't there anymore, that a lot of people kind of have the same idea I do where it's like, well, I can do something or I can do nothing. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to give up just because a, a full album isn't a reality right now because I, at least I can do this and I can stay active. Like I said, for me, it's a lot about building the story around Marisha Penn and, you know, and, and gaining new fans. And then, you know, so people don't have a full album to listen to, at least they can add the song they love to whatever playlist they have on like Spotify or, you know, iTunes and stuff and, and listen to it and get to enjoy it still. Yeah. Well, well yeah. talk about your sound a little bit. I, I really think you guys, I listen to you guys' stuff and uh, the songs that you're doing, and it's almost kind of what I wish rock radio would have turned into. Um, there's, awesome. <laughs> you know, there's modern rock, but you have classic elements. There's like a passion and excitement that I don't hear in, in a lot of the bands on the radio. Um, talk about kind of mixing all that together. Uh, well, first of all, I really, really appreciate you describing it that way because that's what I felt as well. You know, I basically, I wanted to have a band that was the music that I felt like I wanted to hear and I wasn't hearing. Yeah. Um, so, and and it's part of the reason why we are an independent band still. And, you know, I kind of like, I want to put the music first and I'm not really willing to kind of let it get morphed into something that isn't what I want it to be. And I think the best way to do that is to like maintain the integrity and keep just showing people this is what it's supposed to be and look, people like it. And then maybe the help from a label will come in later in the game. Um, and I'm okay with that, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big classic metal fan and you know, I like heavy riffs, but I like melody and vocals. Um, and you know, I obviously, I emulate to some degree what I love and I always ask people what they they hear it because I know in my mind what I hear when I'm writing a song, like what a kind of referencing from like the back of my file cabinet of something that I love. But sometimes people hear other influences come out, so it's kind of interesting to me to hear what other people have to say. Well, being a, both a vocalist and a guitarist, when you're writing music, do riffs come first for you, or do does lyrical ideas come first, or is it kind of a mixture of both? Riffs definitely come first for me, and it's not to say that there's not a chance that the process could change at some point. Um, but nine times out of 10, a song will start because I'm messing around guitar, trying to come up with some riffs. I'll find something I like. And then the whole song will kind of build from that riff and, you know, parts will grow and move around and then vocals start to come in on top. And sometimes things will shift musically to accommodate an idea that I have for a vocal melody, but like definitely riffs first for sure. Like, so when, when you write, do you like write out the riffs, write out the music and then just like put scratch vocals on it and then go back and write a story? Or do you, are you a storyteller as well where that's something you do separately from the riffs? Um, usually I'll write a riff and the idea, like once the music starts to come together, it'll remind me of something. And like, I'm a big mythology fan and a lot of times it'll remind me of like a story that maybe has, you know, that I read or once heard about and that'll kind of spur on ideas for lyrics um, or to remind me of something in my life that I can equate to it. And then I start writing the lyrics and kind of fitting them into a melody that I hear in my head. So it, it, it happens at the same time, but um, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of a different process because usually I step away from the music and get a notebook out and I'll start writing lyrics because lyrics are really important to me. Like I, I can't just kind of like, something together last minute I do really like to, to tell a story in the 
each song, and I, I do like to really take the time to separately, like, step away from, you know, having a guitar in my hand or anything like that and just sit and, and write. When you started out, what, what came first? Was it singing or was it guitar? Um, I was, was really into music. When I was a really little kid, you know, I found my voice with my first instrument, and um, you know, I was always in, like, choir and stuff like that and always loved singing. Um, and then, you know, I was, like, a, a high school band and orchestra geek and I played flute and violin and all that good stuff um and then I uh, started playing guitar when I was about 15 so voice came first but you know um guitar for me that was the first instrument that I played where I really got the opportunity to use my voice and play an instrument at the same time you know we had a piano when I was younger but my parents sold it so <laughs> we had a guitar left so yeah. I guess I was like lucked out that that happened because I think it turned out really well for me although I would still love to be able to play the piano yeah well uh guitar must have came a little easier than most if you'd already had uh you know violin and flute experience yeah I mean I um I took like a few lessons when I was a teenager um but really most of what I've done with music is self-taught, you know, not recommend that. I think if you have the opportunity to learn from someone, you should always take it. But, um, yeah, most of what I did was self-taught and, um, and the same thing with production as well too, you know, like you really do have to learn how to have some sense of music production. Now, if you want to write and, you know, be able to release your own stuff. And, um, and that was really just, you know, learning some stuff from friends and a lot of, YouTube and Google searching to find the answers that are out there. So, you know, yeah, definitely it's been, been an experience of teaching myself a lot, sometimes the hard way. You know, coming up, uh, who was, who was, who was your guy or girl? Who, who was your riff master that you took from some of your influences? Um, well, I love Judas Priest. Um, so I guess Tipton and Downing, um, I'm a big Ozzy fan. I love Black Sabbath, um, you know, and then I, I, besides the classic metal stuff, like obviously, you know, new wave British metal and um, also a big black metal fan. So you don't hear that as much in this music, but there's some elements of it that kind of creep in there. Was that something that you were into at an early age or did that come later? Like the classic metal uh, stuff? A little bit, a little bit later for sure. Um, you know, like, Definitely more like early two thousands, you know, is when I discovered that. What was your What were you into as a kid? Was it just like the general stuff kids are into, like pop, or was it what your parents were listening to? No, I mean I've listened to really different music than like my brother and my sister, and you know, uh, my parents weren't really huge rock fans. It was definitely something I discovered on my own. And I was fortunate enough to, I grew up in Philadelphia mostly. It's where I spent my teenage years and I worked at a record store there and the reps would come around from the labels and they would bring us tickets to stuff. And I would just, I would go to anything. If I could get into a show for free, I would, you know, the bus or the subway and I would be there. So I just kind of really like had a cool experience of finding, I had a lot to choose from and, you know, I naturally gravitated obviously towards, this genre and then that's what made me want to inspire me to really like start writing music because I just wanted to do that. Well, you mentioned learning production a bit ago. Is that something that you, I mean, have you produced the music that you guys have put out or is someone else doing the production? No, I've worked with different producers, but basically the process is like 
I'll demo stuff. I have a studio at home. I'll demo out the songs and like program drums and then I'll get together and I'll do like send that off to like, you know, guys that I'm playing with and, and do some like some pre-production rehearsals and, you know, my drummer will kind of, he'll change and he'll do things, you know, he'll bring his own flair to it. And um, then once we settle in on that, we'll go into the studio and record and I'll record with someone. The last couple songs I've done were produced by my friend Mitchell Marlowe. He's awesome producer here in LA and worked with some really great bands. Um, and then the EP that we did, we had someone engineer it, but we were on like a super, super low budget. We just done a Kickstarter to kind of like get things going. And um, that was self-produced, but was engineered um, by our friend Jason Mater. And, you know, they're, they're very different. If you listen to, you know, the EP as opposed to these new singles, the, the level of production has changed um, and it probably will continue to, you know, because that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're producing yourself like that, when, when do you know to, to add more or, or kind of hold back or, you know, self-edit yourself, um, you know, kind of stepping in and out of a role of the performer, then to the the producer? I mean, it's like a painting. You kind of just keep layering until it just looks right, you know? Gotcha. Um yeah, and then sometimes little things change too. Even I'm surprised sometimes what gets brought out even in the mixing process, you know, because you'll do a lot of recording and then there'll be little little overdubs, little tidbits, little, you know, ambient things with guitar. And then maybe once you start mixing, some of those become more prominent than you had anticipated they would. So each process, like something small can jump out and really change the feeling of a song. Well, you guys, you have a couple videos out. Is that something that you guys are involved? Are you personally involved in the concept or do you leave that to whoever's directing the video? Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, like, everything that's done is, like, very intimately guided. Um, And definitely work with people who bring something to the concept that's unique. Um, But when I'm working on a song, I'm always already starting to think about what would be a cool idea for the video. And then I'll kind of seek out somebody that, at least the way it's happened in the past, seek out somebody who seems like they could make that idea come to life and, um, you know, write a, a, a treatment and send over like, you know, some visuals to go along with it and take a meeting and kind of get things going. Is the EP and album or single artwork the same way? Cause a lot of that artwork's like, very classic metal looking. So is that something you see? Oh, the artwork process is super fun for me. All of our artwork um, has been done by my friend Adam Black, who is a comic book artist. He has a comic book uh, series called The Locust. It's awesome. He did, he actually did a, I met him a long time ago. He had done a bunch of um, art for the Kiss 4K comics. And um, we wound up, he was, I had a meeting with an old band I was in that was considering doing a comic series. And, we just became friends and I absolutely love his art. And um, so whenever I work on a song, I hit him up and I just say, Hey, you know, I'm going to send you a, a finished track and the lyrics and I have an idea of what I want, but I want you to just listen to it and tell me what you see. And he always winds up, he'll, you know, send me back a sketch of what he sees after reading the lyrics and listening to the music. And, and then we kind of take it from there and bounce like little ideas back and forth. So I'm in the process of doing that right now with him. Um, for this next single. And uh, I actually just posted something on the band's IG. Um, it's funny you asked me that, of the, the art process. 
um, kind of showing like his sketching for the Enemy Now artwork from the beginning to the end. So if you want to see what that process is like, you can, I'll take this time to plug our Instagram. <laughs> it's Instagram.com backslash official, and you can see all of that there. Right on. Yeah, I saw it. It, it looks pretty cool, just the, the steps that uh, he went through. Yeah, and, and it, it's great. And it's great when you can just kind of tell an artist to do their thing. I, I think that works best. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you know, he nails it every time. So we're going to keep going that way. Do you have a timetable for this next single? I have a loose timetable. Um, I would really like to release another video with it. So um, that's going to be part of the determining factor. And again, I have an idea of who I'd like to work with for it. So if they're available, then we'll kind of take it from there. So, but the song is done and the art works well on its way to being done. So we're just going to get the rest of it together. And in the meantime, you know, we're doing rehearsals and um, kind of, I'm putting the live band together because I don't have um, a set lineup from Rishi 10 and that can be challenging, but also kind of fun and non-limiting. But um, yeah, it definitely takes some work to kind of pull things together in order to do the live show. And I'm making that a priority as well now. Is that uh, something you think when you pull these members together for a live show, is, are you going to look at that being a permanent lineup or are you still going to kind of do a studio I thing. I think I'm really open to all the possibilities and you know it's so I've always found it challenging with this project to keep a solid lineup together and I don't know all of the reasons for that but um I definitely think that like I have a, a lot more fun with it when I don't stress out about how it's going to be for infinity and when I just think about what opportunities to have like right now and what I can do right now. That's really cool. So that's how I approach it. And I have so much more fun with it when I do. Well, you mentioned playing the flute earlier, any of this new stuff, we're going to get like a Jethro Tull style stuff from you. I know that's a stupid question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything's possible. I love Opeth too. They sneak a lot of flute in there. So right. we'll yes, see what happens. <laughs> It's not out of the question. It's certainly not out of the question. Very cool. Well, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy your show. I just listened to your podcast with Gene Simmons oh, earlier well, today, which is great. And, you know, uh, he's the god of thunder. Marisha Tens, the goddess of light. So I feel like it's really fitting that I got to follow and uh, appreciate the opportunity to do so. Right on. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. There you go. Linda Liu, vocalist and guitarist for Marishi Tin. A huge thank you to Jody from Best Bet Promotions. And, of course, a huge thank you to Linda for taking some time out to talk to us. Really looking forward to hearing what else Marishi Tin's got coming because this stuff's great. So, like I said earlier, get on, check them out, follow them on Facebook, find them on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all that great stuff. They've got a couple videos out as well. Support Marishi 10 and some, some great heavy metal. Right, if this is your first time checking us out, we really appreciate it. We've got 235 previous episodes you can check out. We've had on people like Gene Simmons of KISS, Bruce Kulik, formerly of KISS, guys from Seven Dust, Prong, COC, Super Joint, Battlecross, Shinedown, Saving Abel. Did you hear that new prong song? 
Oh, shit, I forgot to listen to that. Pretty fucking good. Yeah. End of Sanity, Edge of Sanity, I can't fucking remember now, but... Well, what's, what's crazy, here I'm gonna get off on a tangent real quick. That's fine. Is I saw there's a new prong song, so I got fucking excited. And then, I didn't listen to it, because I, I was doing something, or I was at work, I don't know, but... Yeah. Anyway, then I pulled it up, and it's like, they have a EP coming out that's yes, only like two, two or three new songs, and then like three or four, like, live or remixes and stuff. Yeah. And it's because Tommy Victor spent the last, like, seven years putting out 18 fucking albums. Not really, but, you know, yeah. almost an album in a year there for yes, a while. Like, yeah. five albums. And so I'm like, holy crap, there's already another album. It's probably finally like, okay, I gotta slow this down, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That's just my... That's yeah, you never something know. to wonder if he's just like, maybe he's gonna start doing this yeah. two or three songs at a time, which is cool if he does it, you know, a couple times a year. Yeah. Well, listen to the song. It's great. Okay. But yeah, we've also had on guys from a lot of the, excuse me, 80s and early 90s hard rock, glam, melodic rock scene, like guys from Warrant, Dokken, Tesla, Firehouse, Trickster, Lillian Axe, Bullet Boys, Europe, uh, Taiketo, LA Guns, Junkyard, who I don't really consider, they're one of their melodic rock, so... But see, they're playing shows in LA with Danko Jones. Are you shitting me? How fucking cool would that be? That's like, that's so it's random. Like, it's so perfect. It's like, it's like, let me look up the fucking plane tickets here. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That'll never. Is happen. that all it is? Just LA yeah, shows? Yeah, it's like I think it's around Christmas. Oh, okay. Like a week or a week's worth of shows around LA and California. Oh, okay. I think I think it's something like that. That's cool, nonetheless. For Isn't sure. it? Yeah, that's a great bill. Definitely. You can find all our stuff on soundcloud.com backslash thunderdash underground. You can also hear it most anywhere podcasts are heard, like iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Mixcloud. You can find it on our website at thethunderunderground.com. Listen to everything there. You can also find a bunch of reviews. You can find all our social medias. The link's on there for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube at thethunderunderground because we have a lot of Video reviews as well, separate from the podcast. And Trent does most of them with his shirt off. So. That's right. Yeah, I get oiled up. Of course. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. You know, like professional wrestlers from the early 90s. That's right. Probably even late 90s. Triple H did that shit, too. You know, you just get all fucking glistening and shit. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah, tune in for that. At The Thunder Underground. Subscribe so you never miss that. But outside of that, we should have more coming soon. All right. Once again. Huge thank you to Med Farm and to DEB Concerts and to Linda Lou from Marishi 10. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.